Anybody see the moon last night? I have no idea what that is. Anyway, as I was saying, who saw the moon last night? Did you see it this morning? Wasn't it beautiful? Hey, I'm just going to warn you. I went to Cracker Barrel this morning. And I had Tabasco sauce on my eggs. I had bacon. And I had coffee. And it was really good. So the guys in the back had to warn me that I have like some boundaries that I have to stay in between here and here because I was all over the stage last service. And you know what? Speaking of bacon coffee, I had a good friend of mine that brought in some bacon coffee this morning. I can't wait to get home and try that. Anyhow. Hey, this is our third week in our message series entitled, How to Choose the Right Path. So if you've not uh, seen or heard the first two messages, I encourage you to go online and get caught up. We're studying the book of Daniel. And in week number one, we were in chapter one of Daniel, and we talked about how we were not created to fit in. We were created to stand out. We said you needed to have three things, right? We said you needed to have conviction over compromise, persistence over resistance, and trust over trial. And then in week two, we went through Daniel chapter two. Pastor taught on this last week, and he said direction, not intention, determines our destination. And he said that we need to examine the path that we're on. We need to look at where we're at right now. And when we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we need to surrender, we should go to others and have them pray for us. And remember that God wants to promote us to a greater place of influence. That was last week. Today's message is entitled Faith Under Fire. And we'll be in chapter 3 of Daniel this morning. And this by far is my favorite of the entire series. Why? Because I am absolutely blown away by the faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego display when their faith is under fire. It is crazy. You guys are going to see this. This is awesome. So let's pray before we get going. Father, we just magnify your name this morning blessed be your name like the song said we love you we lift you up we pray father that uh, you'd be here in our midst that you'd open our eyes to hear to see from you and open our ears to hear from you today we love you in jesus name amen so turn with me in your bibles to chapter three of the book of daniel and here's what i'm going to do i'm going to sum up this chapter and then we're going to zero in on three verses Just three verses that give us two very powerful lessons. And it was interesting because when I was preparing this message, I went, wait a minute, Lord, I've only got two points. Pastors always speak in three points. What's up with that? But he gave me a very, very specific message today. I think it's a very simple one. It's just two points, all right? But these two points are powerful. And uh, if we'll commit to put them into practice, then we'll understand how to choose the right path when our faith is under fire. You guys ready to get going? Okay. So King Nebuchadnezzar, who remembers who he is? King Nebuchadnezzar, all right. He was probably the greatest of all Babylonian kings. And so he builds this giant gold statue. It was 90 feet tall by 9 feet wide. So if you took two tractor trailers, you stood them on top of one another, that's how tall this statue was, okay? 
So he builds this statue, and then he sends out a message to everyone in the land, all the leaders and officials in the land, and he invites them to come to the dedication of this statue. So they all come, and they all gather around. And then what he says is he issues a command. And this command is that he wants everyone to bow down to this statue anytime they hear the musical instruments. He had like an orchestra or something going on. And anytime these instruments played, everyone wants to bow down and worship this statue. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine if someone did something like that today, how crazy that would be? But it gets better. He says that if you do not bow down to this statue and worship it, anyone who doesn't do that is going to be thrown into a blazing furnace. So basically it's going to get really hot and then you're going to die. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? You know, that was, in, uh, that was a really, really hard thing for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they were diehard followers of God. And uh, they know, or they knew rather, that the Lord doesn't take too well to the worship of anything or anyone other than Him. The first two of the Ten Commandments are very clear. Let's look at this. This is in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. It says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. That seems pretty clear, doesn't it? You know, sometimes I think we dismiss these commands because we often think of some sort of statue or some sort of carved image, and we say, you know what? I don't do that. I don't bow down to a statue, right? So we just dismiss it altogether, a lot of us do. But can I tell you, that an idol with a little g, or a god with a little g rather, can be anything that we desire more than God. Anything that takes the place of God in our heart. It could be money. It could be our friends, our family. It could be TV or entertainment, Facebook, some sort of material thing. It could be like our cars or our house, jewelry, clothes, guns. How many of you have guns? Man, that's a hard one. No, I'm kidding. Anything that takes the place of God in our heart. Anything that we desire more than Him. He deserves to be first in our heart. When anything or anyone, including ourselves, becomes more important, receives more attention, has more longing for, etc., that's idolatry. It is. And God is a jealous God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood this. And they were not afraid to die for it. So these three young men, here's what they do. They defy the king's order. And they continue to worship the one and only true God. They would not bow down to this statue. And then just like today, some little tattletales went and ran off to the king. And I said, hey king, you got three guys here that aren't obeying your command. You know what happens? The king becomes furious, the word says. He flew into a rage. King Nebuchadnezzar has a temper. So he calls these three three young men to see him. And then he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance to bow down to this statue and worship it. Because if you don't, I'm going to throw you into the blazing furnace. And then he says this, What God will be able to save you from my power? King Nebuchadnezzar has a problem with pride too. What God will be able to save you from my power? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stand their ground, and they refuse to bow down to this statue. Now, we're going to come back to what these three young men said to the king here in a few minutes. Because these three verses that they responded to the king with, that's the heart of the message today. But I'm going to keep going. I'm going to sum up this chapter. So their response to the king, you can see this uh, just preceding verses 19. And the king becomes so furious that his face becomes distorted with rage, the word says. He lost it. You ever seen somebody fly off the handle like that? I mean, I'm angry, right? I mean, he was furious, the word says, because they would not obey. So then he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than normal. It was so hot, in fact, that the men who tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw them into the fire were actually killed by the flames. That's how hot it was. Okay? So he heated it seven times hotter than normal. And then what happens next is really cool. The king jumps up in amazement. He looks inside the furnace and he sees four men walking around in the fire. Now, you remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were bound when they were thrown into the fire. Now when he looks in there, they're unbound. And instead of three men, there's four men walking around inside the fire. Now, we don't know for sure who that fourth person is. Some believe it was a pre-incarnate Jesus. Others believe it was one of God's angels. Either way, someone from heaven showed up. Someone from heaven showed up when their faith was under fire. And by the way, have you ever noticed that many times God does not save us from the fires that we go through in our lives? You ever notice that? Am I the only one? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't sometimes. And it's extremely difficult because we often pray so hard, God, get me out of this, please. Get me out of this. And we do that when we're right in the middle of it. And yet, sometimes we still have to go through it. But listen, God is always faithful. He may not save us from the fires, but he does give us the strength to endure. And he will lead us through them, just like he did with these three young men. We are never alone. And it's hard. He may not take us out of it, but he will take us through it. I love how David confirms this. Y'all remember King David, right? He says in Psalm 23, For though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's an amazing scripture right there. An amazing promise. For thou art with me. So then the king, he calls the three young men out of the furnace. Right? He calls them out. Not a hair on their head is singed. They don't even smell like smoke. And then the king issues a new command. And this new command is such that if anyone is to worship any other god other than the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's going to have them torn limb from limb and he's going to crush their houses. Now, remember the beginning of the chapter? It was, you only worship the gold statue. Now suddenly he's like, you don't do that anymore. Now I want you to worship just the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He makes a complete 180-degree turn, doesn't he? Now, he still calls them, or still calls God the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He doesn't call him his God yet. And what's cool is, next week, pastor's going to be teaching on chapter 4, and you're going to see the amazing transformation of King Nebuchadnezzar. That's going to be cool. So this is truly an amazing story. You ever felt like your faith has been under fire? How many of you felt like that, right? You ever, uh, 
You ever felt like, Lord, where are you when you're facing adversity? Let's go back to what these three young men said to the king when they were about to face certain death for disobeying. And you can see this in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here are these three young men, their life's on the line, and this is how they respond to the king. Now, there are two life lessons that we can learn here in this text, and we're going to go through them. And if we'll commit to, to, uh, to live these out, then we will understand how to choose the right path when our faith is under fire. Number one, stand confidently. Stand confidently. Put that in your blank if you got your hand out with you. That's the first blank there. These three young men, they stood solidly on the word of God. They didn't show any fear. They boldly and unashamedly stood tall with confidence. They were determined not to dishonor nor disobey God. They didn't care about the consequences. And they certainly didn't rationalize the situation away and say, hey, why don't we just cross our fingers and we'll get down and, and we'll act like we're praying to this statue, right? They didn't do that. They didn't say to themselves, did God really say not to worship any other gods? Maybe what he, went, what he meant was not to worship any other gods unless our lives are in danger. Oh, well, then we can, we can worship him. Then it'll be okay. Surely he meant that. You see, this is the lie that Satan will try to make us believe. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? This is the exact same lie that he said to Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? You remember? Remember Eve told the serpent that they could eat from any tree in the garden except the one in the middle, and what was his response? Did God really say He says the same thing today. He whispers in our ear, lies, deceit, all of it. Doubt. And he'll try to weave his way into your life and try to make you doubt the word of God. Did God really say? That's why it's so important that we know the truth. That we know the word of God so that we can stand upon it with confidence. I've got some scriptures for you. Let's go through these. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us have confidence then and approach God's throne where there is grace. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us just when we need it. Let us have confidence then. We can go to God's throne anytime, any day. We can go to Him and He'll do what? He will help us just when we need it. Just at that right time. God's timing is perfect. Okay? We've got to have confidence. Stand confidently. Philippians 4.13, very popular piece of Scripture here. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. How many of you know this one? Okay, good. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Who's the Him we're talking about? It's Jesus, right? I can do all things. 
He didn't say some things. He didn't say only the things that I'm talented in, only the things, the things I have ability with, right? It says all things through him. This is a promise that you can claim. Okay? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.19 And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? All your needs. Not some, not our wants, but all our needs. And Romans 8.28 And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Pastor and I have taught on this. It's not the good things, right? Not everything is good itself. Not everything that happens to us is good, is it? But God's still going to use it. Even some of our dumb, boneheaded decisions that we make or some of the sins that we make, God is still going to use that. You see that? He causes everything to work together for the good. Even some of the bad things that people do to you, God is still going to use that somehow because he's that good of a God. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, I love this one. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even the youth will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who never grows weak or weary? Aren't you glad that we have a God who's never tired? Right? He's never tired. And when we're at the end of ourselves and we feel like we can't go on, look at this, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And when we're at the end of our rope and we feel like, this is it, I can't, I can't do this. If we'll just trust him, what does it say? You'll find new strength. You'll find strength you believe you never even had if you trust in him. And this is where it really gets fun. Proverbs fourteen twenty six. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. In the fear of the Lord... We don't talk about the fear of the Lord enough in society today. We just don't. But you know what? It's all over in the Bible. You can read the fear of the Lord in the Old and the New Testament all over the place. I had the fortunate opportunity to teach on this subject on Father's Day. And it was one of those messages that took kind of a year in the making uh, before it finally came to fruition because God was doing a work in me teaching me something about the fear of the Lord. Now, I don't have time to go into all the detail about it, although I could because I love this subject. But I'll just tell you this. If I had to sum up what the fear of the Lord is, it's reverence that results in obedience. And these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had the fear of the Lord. They absolutely had it. That's how they were able to stand so strong before the king. They had strong confidence because of this right here. We see it again in the next scripture. You might have to help me. There we go. Psalm 34, 9. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. You have all you need. 
You've got to fear him and you'll have all you need. And the last one here, Psalm 34, 17, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. Aren't you glad that he hears you when you call? Right? It's not like you call him and you get a busy signal. Right? You don't get that when you call him when you're reaching him by prayer, do you? You have a direct line of communication. You, as a child of God, have a direct line of communication with the Heavenly Father. Isn't that awesome? And He hears you. And He will rescue you from all your troubles. Not some of them, but all of them. Now, He may not rescue you in the way that you think or the way that you'd like sometimes. When you're in the heat of that that situation, that fire that you're in, and you're wanting out of it, He may not rescue you out of it, but He will rescue you in His timing, and in his purpose. How many of you have heard the phrase, if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything? Who's heard that? Okay. A lot of people have said that over the years. You want to tell you something really cool? There is a biblical precedent for that statement. You want to see it? Who wants to see it? All right, good, good. Okay, it's in Isaiah 7-9. It says this. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. There is so much wisdom, so much knowledge right here in the Word of God. Okay? There is a lot of people out there that have said a lot of good things. And that's cool. But it's even more cool when you get it right from the Word of the God. Because the Word of God is alive and it's active and it's powerful, it says. We have to stand confidently. Now, I imagine, this is, when I was reading this scripture, I imagine that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, here they are, they're standing before the king, and I imagine them calmly saying this, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Now, how did they have this kind of confidence when their very lives were at stake? How could they just stand there and say this? It's because they knew the word of God and they stood confidently upon it. Did you know in Proverbs, his word says that he is our fortress, that he is our refuge, that he is our shelter, that he is our rock. We're talking about God here, that he is our redeemer and that he is our defender. We do not have to defend ourselves before you. How many times when we're faced with a challenge, whether it's our reputation or it's our pride and just wanting to be right, we jump right into the middle of that situation and we try to defend ourselves. We try to defend our actions. Are we trusting God when it says that He's our defender? When we do that? We all have a habit of making a mess, don't we? I know I do. I have a habit of making a mess of my situations sometimes. And it usually doesn't work out well or it doesn't work out as well as it could have if we just leave it in the hands of God and trust Him. In verse 17, they said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Right? Is able to save us. He is able. Put that in your blank. Able. He is able. He can turn the impossible into the possible in an instant. He can rescue us out of any situation at any time. 
Do we have that kind of mindset? Do we have that kind of faith today? What do we do when our faith is under fire? The first lesson that we can learn is to stand confidently. Stand confidently on the Word of God. Let's look at lesson number two. Stand unconditionally. Stand unconditionally. Let's go to our scripture where we can see this. This is in Daniel chapter 3, 17 and 18. We just saw 17 about him being able. But look at verse 18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Even if he doesn't. Mm, that is so good right there. Even if he doesn't. Can we say that? Even if? Even if God doesn't heal my disease. Even if God doesn't save my child. Even if God doesn't save my husband. Even if God doesn't save my marriage. Even if God doesn't give me a baby. Even if God doesn't make that person who hurt me apologize. Even if God doesn't do what I want. Even if God doesn't answer my prayer. You know, we often live our lives like our faith is conditional. I'll have faith if God does this. I'll have faith if God does that. Whatever the if the this or that is for us. Whatever it is. We set up certain kind of conditions that must be met to our satisfaction or meet our expectations, don't we? Now, we may not say it like that, but our actions or our thoughts often say it for us. We, when we stand for God, we have to stand unconditionally. In other words, no matter what happens, I'm serving you, Lord. No matter what happens, I'm trusting you, Lord. No matter what, stand unconditionally. What do we do when our faith is under fire? Stand unconditionally. How many of you know who the actor Cameron Arnett is? One person. Oh my goodness. No one in the first service knew who he was. I thought we were going to go both services, but somebody knew who he was. Okay, look at this. He had a thriving acting career in the 80s and 90s. He was in Star Trek Next Generation. He was in Miami Vice. He had everything going for him. Okay? And then he auditioned for a new role in which in this new role he was going to have to perform a partial nudity scene. And this presented a problem because it was in direct conflict with his faith. And when he expressed his concern about it, he was given an option for a body double. But he felt like God was whispering to him, you know, people are still going to think that's you. So here he is. This is Cameron's even-if moment. Does he refuse to compromise his faith and face the consequences? Or does he sell out and just do the nudity scene? No big deal. That's just Hollywood. It's just acting. I mean, it's in just about every movie anyway, right? But in his even-if moment, he refused to do the scene. And he lost everything as a result. These were his words. All hell broke loose. I lost everything. Agents left. Everybody left. Friends left. I was left behind by the world and by everything that I had. So he left Hollywood. 
And then he battled through bankruptcy. You see, he was, his faith was under fire. And he was right in the middle of it. Notice that God didn't save him out of that. He let him go through it. And years later, his wife encouraged him to get back into acting. She wanted him to get back into acting, but do it in a way that aligned with his faith. You can see him in the new movie, Overcomer. Who's seen that movie? A few of you. Okay. The rest of you need to go see it. <laughs> you can see him in the new movie, Overcomer. He plays the guy in the hospital bed who's lost his sight due to severe diabetes. That's him. And here's the deal on Mr. Arnett. Through the fire, he served God unconditionally. He said this, I am a Christian first. I'm not an actor. I'm not a pastor. I am a son of God and I am a servant of God. That is my claim to fame. Can you serve God unconditionally? Will you serve him even if? Will you serve him wherever, whenever, or however? These are tough questions, I know. But if we want to understand how to choose the right path for our lives, we have to stand unconditionally. There is no other way that keeps us on the right path. You know, Joshua in the Bible is a great example of this. How many of you know who Joshua is? Okay, great. Hey, he was Moses' successor. He led the Israelites into the promised land. And uh, in Joshua chapter 24, he calls all the tribes of Israel to gather around. And I want you to see what he says to them, all the people. This is what he says in 24, 14 and 15. So fear the Lord. There's the fear of the Lord again. And serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Men, can you make that kind of statement over your family? Are you willing to serve him even if, no matter what happens? We need to choose today. We can't put this off. Choose today. Stand unconditionally. Joshua made a stand. Can we do that? What if we're faced with a life-threatening situation? Your faith is, is, is under fire, and it's heating up hotter than you've ever experienced in your life. What do you do? You know, many of us have faith when it's convenient. Many of us have faith when we're comfortable, don't we? But what happens when life doesn't go as we planned? What happens when our faith is challenged? When our faith is pushed to, it, pushed to its limit? You know, I read an article a couple of weeks ago. And in this article, there was a man in Nigeria who was captured by some radical terrorists. And they asked him to deny Jesus. And he wouldn't do it. So they cut off his right wrist, or his right hand, rather. They asked him again to deny Jesus, and he refused. So they cut off his, his arm up to his elbow. And they asked him a third time to deny Jesus, and he wouldn't do it. So they shot him in the forehead, they shot him in the neck, and then they shot him in the chest. He stood unconditionally. He would not denounce his God. There was no compromise. There was no backing down. He would rather die than turn his back on his Savior. 
Could we do that? Could we do that? Can we stand with that kind of conviction? That kind of passion? That kind of love? The kind of love that we would die for? You know, Jesus did. He was born into this world just like you and me. He lived a perfect life. He faced all the same kind of temptations that you and I do. And yet, he never sinned. He stood unconditionally in obedience to God. The Word says that he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. We learn obedience through things we go through, don't we? And Jesus suffered greatly. Just before he died on the cross, he prayed in such agony and in such power and conviction that he was sweating drops of blood because he knew what he was about to face. And he prayed for God to take away this cup of suffering. Three times he prayed to God to take it away. And then he said, not my will, but yours be done. He was beaten, bloodied, and mocked. And then his hands and his feet were nailed to a cross. He loved us so much that he died on that cross for our sins. He stood unconditionally for us. Our only response should be to stand unconditionally for him. What do we do when our faith is under fire? Two things. Stand confidently. Stand confidently upon the word of God. And the second one, stand unconditionally. Even if, whenever, wherever, however. Let's pray. God, you are a mighty God. You are worthy of all praise and honor and glory. I pray, Lord God, that you would solidify this message in our hearts and help us to live this out. Help us, Lord, to be able to stand confidently and to stand unconditionally for you. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has been wrestling with who you are and they want to know you today, I pray, Father, that you stir their heart, that they would come to salvation through you today. If that's you and you're sitting in your seat and you feel that tug on your heart, That's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door, wanting to come in. So if that's you, if you'll just slip up your hand, I'd love to pray with you. Anyone here want to meet Jesus today? Anyone today that does not have the Lord Jesus as their Savior but wants to make that profession of faith today, just slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. Anyone else? Okay. Father, I pray that you'd come into the hearts of those that have committed to want to serve you, even those that may not have slipped up their hand but are in their seat today, and they say to themselves, I want to know you, Lord. I want to live for you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died and were raised again on the third day, and I want to make you Savior. I want to lay down my life and take yours up. I pray today, Lord, that you'd make them brand new, and may they serve every day from this day forward for you. If there's anyone today and there was, a me- there was some kind of uh, uh, point in the message today that spoke to you, that resonated with your heart, that wants you to recommit your life to Jesus, if that's you, slip up your hand and I'll pray for you. Anyone here today that, yes, thank you. Anyone else? Something spoke to you today and you want to really turn your life around and focus on Jesus. Amen. Anyone else? Okay, awesome. Thank you.
I'll pray for you. Lord God, these that slipped up their hand, Lord, that want to live for you, that something resonated in their hearts today, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come into their lives and, and help them, Father, to find peace, to find joy in you, even in the midst of the fire that they may be in. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you'll stand for our closing song, and then we'll be dismissed.